Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Red Letter Day um, is a a series that's all going to be about some of the final verses, final words that Jesus spoke. You guys know in your Bibles, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out for me. Get your YouVersion app out if you have it. Open it up. Uh, Turn to Matthew 27. We're going to be reading quite a few verses in there in just a moment, in Jesus' final moment. But how many guys know when you read a Bible in the New Testament, if you have a red letter edition of the New Testament, what do the red letters mean? The red letters are to who's talking? Jesus. Very good. And so this is all about the words that Jesus said in his final moments. What are some things that Jesus said in his final breath that he had while he was here on earth? What was not just what he said, but what did they mean and how do they echo through history to us today? That's really the key about where we want to go over the next several weeks is not just what he said, but how does what he said affect us today where we live. And that's really the direction we want to go over the next several weeks. So Matthew 27 is where we're going to start at talking about today. Um, I believe that this series is going to be a powerful and I pray significant series for you. I hope that it will move the needle in your life spiritually to a greater place because we're going to talk about some things that maybe are some places that you haven't had, haven't wanted to deal with. Some deep places that maybe you didn't ever want to uh, have a life change in. I believe that the red letters that Jesus spoke here in the final moments of his life were some of his most powerful words that reverberate through history and impact our life in a very specific way today. So today we're going to kind of kick off, and every week we're going to pick another verse, and we're going to pick another verse, and we're going to talk about what are some things that he said. Look, for me, look with me today in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 37. Um, this is Jesus, and uh, it says, Above the head of Jesus, they place this name against, this charge against him. It says, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Uh, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. You notice this is in, not in red, so this is not what he said. This is the narrator telling the story. Um, and it says, uh, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. And what were they saying? You are, uh, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down off that cross if you are the son of God. Say this with me. If you are the Son of God, say that with me. If you are the Son of God. In the same way, uh, chief priests and teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said. Can he save what? Himself. Mocking him all over. He, the king of Israel, he's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. These words are powerful. They said, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. Let God rescue him now if he trusts him. If he wants him down, let God do it. For he said what? I am the son of God. We're going to stop right there. Understand this, that that there are hurling insults at this man that can't do anything. Uh, Up to this point, he has not spoken a word. He's been quiet. He has remained silent through everything 
that has gone on up to this point. This word trust is very powerful. It says he trusts in God. He trusts in God. It's interesting that it's saying that he trusts in God, but we don't know what does that really mean. The word trust actually mean in, in, the, uh, in this portion of scripture is pytho, which actually translates into full confidence. Jesus, at this moment in time, had a full confidence in, in who God said he was and who he was. Now, let me just give you a picture of what has happened to this point to kind of lead us to this point of where we are at at this moment. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, had been betray betrayed by his closest disciples to him. And not only that, but all of his disciples have now fled him. He was taken off. He was put through numerous trials where he was called guilty for blasphemy. He was called guilty for being called. He called himself the son of God. And uh, they, they did all kinds of things to try to punish him. They, they arrested him. They, they would beat him. They would take and they would put him onto a whipping post and they would take a cat, what they call a cat of nine tails, which had glass and bone in the ends of the, of the whip. And they would use that and they would whip it across his back. And this, this was so brutal that they could only do it up to 39 times because the 40th time they said would have killed him because of the, 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 uh, the ripping of the back, the ripping of the flesh. Um, some scholars have said he was so brutally beaten that you could see organs possibly poking out from where he was at because of the brutality of what was happening. When we think of the cross, sometimes we're very clinical about it, we're very sanitary. In fact, this is the picture that we sometimes see when we think of the cross, we think of this Jesus hanging on the cross there. Number one, guys, that right there. How clean, how clinical, how, oh, got a little blood dripping down there and and a little blood from his hands. But no, it's, we kind of think this. Why? Because we can stomach this. But I'm here to tell you the brutality of what Jesus went through, the scourge of what he had to pass through, that what, he, what he endured was so much worse than this. The brutality of the cross, they, they took uh, a crown of thorns and they forced it upon his head, pushed it down upon his head to where it poked through on his outer skull, and it, it blood just flowed down his face. They would take and it said they blindfolded him, and they put a, what they call a signet ring, which would have been like a class ring. It had the, a symbol on it that they used to seal envelopes with, with wax back in the day. And they punched him, and they said, tell us who's hitting you. This is the brutality of what Jesus went through. And when we think of this, we're totally wrong in the perception of who he was. He looked more like this. He looked more like this. The brutality of the cross left him left, hanging on a cross, looking nothing like a man, nothing like a human. He looked like a piece of raw meat that they tied up there and they stripped him naked and bare for the whole world to see. The creator punished by the creation. When man was at his worst, Jesus Christ was at his best. And this is the reality 
the reality of what we're leading up to in Easter. This is where the words came from that we're going to talk about today. Imagine that being your son. Imagine that being someone you love. And this is the reality and the brutality of the cross. And this is where, this is where the, the people mocked. This is where they scoffed. This is where they said, come down from there. You trust in him. What's wrong with you? You're hanging there, bleeding and dying. Where's your God now? And quite honestly, it's really easy to trust God when things are good, the bills are paid, health is good, life's good, the kids are good. Real easy to trust God, but how hard it is to trust God when you're in the middle of the greatest pain in your life. Matthew 27, verse 45, 46, we're going to get into our words here. It says, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came over the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sambatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Say that with me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? so interesting that throughout scripture throughout the gospels when jesus referred to his father he would call him daddy he would call him abba which means father it he would call him father he was very personal whenever jesus throughout the gospels would refer to his father he would refer in a very a very sentimental loving way but here at this point he doesn't refer to him as father he says my god my god why have you Abandon me. Why have you left me here? And sometimes I know me growing up, I would read these scriptures and I would scratch my head and I go, What is God doing? Why is God allowing this to happen? What is going on in his life? What is what is God's plan here? I don't get it. What is God doing? And every one of us in this room have faced or will face a time in our life that we will ask the same questions. God, what are you doing? Why am I facing this pain? Why am I going through this struggle? Why am I hurting so much? Why am I suffering so much? Why, God, why am I here? I have some stories here I'm going to show to you on a video of some real-life people that dealt with this question of why, check it out. Hi, my name is Lisa and in July of 2008, my husband and I went in for a routine ultrasound at 20 weeks. And we found out then that our baby didn't have a heartbeat. Hi, my name is Scott. About, it was the early morning I got a phone call and it was about my grandson being taken to the hospital. He was my little buddy. He was he was the world to me. I have other grandkids, but but Nova was he was special. Uh, my name is Deidre, and um, my father sexually abused me until I was eight years old, um, and he also beat the living daylight out of my mother. And when we got there, and they had just had just gotten him resuscitated, they admitted him into the, his room and. And it was at that point that I was like, God, why? Why? 
he's not even three years old. Why would you take this precious boy? It made me feel betrayed by God. It made me feel dirty. It made me feel like God left me um, out there by myself. Um, and I asked why. Um, I couldn't understand why God would allow something like that to happen to me. It was about a week when, when he finally uh, passed away. So that was the hardest thing that we ever had to go through. And it was the hardest point in my life. And I questioned and questioned and questioned why, why was this baby taken from us when I never got to hold him or kiss his face. These stories are stories that you may be able to relate to, or maybe you have your own story. They're deep stories. They're hurtful stories. They're painful places of why. I've often asked that question, why? Why do we go through the pain that we go through in life? Why, why do we have to face the circumstances that are so hard to carry on? And I will say this. Many times, the reason why we have to go through is because we only see part of the story. We see our side of the story. We don't see what else God is doing on the other side. Here's what 1 Corinthians says today for those of you who are questioning the why. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then, when we're speaking of eternity, then shall we see face to face. Now I know in part, but I shall know fully even as I am fully known. We only see part of the picture. We only see part of the story. And even in this story with Jesus, we only see part of the story. We only see the part of the suffering, the part of the pain, the part of the tragedy, the part of the circumstance. We only see part of it. But God saw the full story. God saw what fully needed to be done. Now, I'm going to put a word on the screen here. And I want you, whenever you see the word, I want you to say the word out loud. Here we go. Here's the word. Nowhere. Nowhere. Turn your neighbor and say nowhere. Oftentimes in our life, we feel like God is nowhere to be found. We feel like we're absolutely alone. We can't see his plan. We can't see his purpose. We can't see what he's doing. He's nowhere around. And that's what Jesus felt in this moment in time. He felt like his father was nowhere to be found. The one that sent him to earth, the one who gave him a purpose, the one that, that told him you got to die, you got to suffer, he's nowhere to be found in this moment in time. And so many times we feel like we're in the middle of nowhere. But instead, I want to shift it and put just one little space in it, and I want you to read this word. Now, here. God is, many times we say, where are you, God? God says, I'm now right here in the middle of the pain. I'm with you. I'm right here with you. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, for our thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are ways your ways, declares, or, or, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We can't fathom the mind of God. 
We can't see clearly because we're not in his place of eternity. We're here, we're now, we're suffering now. And now we ask, where are you, God? And yet God is in eternity and he says, guess what? I'm right there with you. So I want to talk about how do we trust in God when we're in the middle of the pain? How do we trust God when we're in the middle of these feelings of why, the questions of why? How do we trust God when we feel like we're completely alone? I want to give three thoughts to you today. Write these down in your notes. Three thoughts are this. Understand this and remember we can trust God because God is good, God is for you, and God is with you. God is good. God is for you and God is with you. First thing I want to kind of expand upon, that God is good. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. Turn to someone else and say, they didn't get it good enough. I'm going to tell you that God is good. They, they need to hear this. I'm here to tell you our God is good. He's a good God. It, it, this is very important for you to understand today because so often what happens when bad things happen to us, even as Christians, we question, why is God picking on me? Where, where is God in this? And is God mad at me? Is he punishing me? I'm here to tell you today, God is good. That was pretty sad. God is good. He is good. He is a good God. He is one who loves and cares for you. He is the one who sees you when the doctor calls and gives you tragic news, remind yourself you can trust God because why? God is good. When cancer is reported in your body or a loved one, you remind yourself that God is good. When abuse happens, when hurts come your way, when pain finds its way into your life, remember that God is good. When you lose someone or something, whenever something dear to you, someone close to you is lost, God is good. When your spouse walks out on you, God is still good. Humans are not, God is, right? God is good. When your kids are strung out on drugs or away from God or doing their own thing, Remind yourself you can trust God because God is good. He's good. He's always good. He's always good. Which leads me to point number two. Not only is God is good, but number two, God is for you. Say that with me. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. If God is for you, here's what Romans 8:31 says. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? I said, if God is for you, who can be against you? Nothing, no one, not, not a boss, not an employee, not the government, not anything, nothing, no one, nothing can be against you because why? God is for you. He's for you no matter where you're at, no matter what you do. God is for you. He is the Almighty. He's the everlasting, the alpha, the omega, the beginning of the end. He is the all-powerful God, the creator of the stars and the planets and the universe, the creator of the mountains and the oceans and the seas and the, and, the, and the rivers, the creator of all creation, the creator of everything that crawls, everything that breathes, everything that walks. 
everything he created. And guess what? He chose you. Out of all that he created, he chose you and me as someone to love. God is for me. And with God in my corner, there's nothing I can't, pow, take a punch out of. You know why? Because he's got my back. He's in my corner. God is what? He is for me. God is good. God is for me. And the third thing is this. God is with me. God is with me. Hebrews says this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. No matter what, no matter where you go, no matter what poor decisions you make, God is with you. No matter what, he sees you, he knows where you're at, he is with you. He is for you, and he is good to where you're at. So often in life, we question why we're going through what we're going through. We question the circumstance that we face in life. So often in life, we get punched in the gut. We take our breath taken away, and we kind of stagger back a little bit. And we recoup, and we think that we're completely alone, but I'm here to tell you that God is for you. Here's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. We're to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, we're to acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. That's, that verse starts off with what? What's the first word in the verse? It is, what is it? Say it with me. You trust him. You trust him unconditionally. You trust him. You trust him when you wake in the morning. That word trust is, is it means to know. I know that I know that I know that my God is good. My God is for me, and my God is with me. I trust that God is for me, he is with me, and he is good. I trust that every day of our life. So no matter what the doctors say, no matter what the reports are that come in, no matter how financially, uh, economically struggling you're going through, no matter what, God is, you can trust God because he's good, he's for you, and he is with you. Um, I'm finding out in my life two things. So often in my life, in the past as I was younger, I would always ask why. But God is teaching me, instead of asking why, to ask what. Oftentimes growing up, I would ask God, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why am I facing this pain? Why am I hurting this way? Why did that person do that to me? Why did that, that relationship fall apart? Or I would ask questions of why. Now it's more about what? God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to do in them that I can't do for them? They have to figure it out. God, what's the bigger picture that I can't see because I only get part of it? I've only paid for half the movie ticket. I've only seen the opener and halfway through. I haven't seen the ending. And so I don't see it all. So God, what are you trying to do? Because God, so many times I feel like you're nowhere, but really in actuality, if I believe that you're good and you're for me and you're with me, you're now here. You're right here with me in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the suffering. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 12, it says, uh, the reason why Jesus cried out, why, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? We only see part of the picture. Here's the rest of it. Here's the rest of it. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, God made himself 
who, had, who was no sin. He had to be sin for us. Jesus became sin. Why? He became sin so that we might know and become the righteousness of God. Let me paint the picture for you. This tells the story. This is not just, this doesn't answer just the why, it's the what as well. Because here's what happened in this moment in this time. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sambating. What is going on here, God? What is it? Let me tell you what happened right now in this moment in time that Jesus spoke these words. Every person, every sin, every evil, everything through history, all the murderers, all the cheaters, all the lies, all the, all the stealing that went on, pornography, racism, hatred, all the wars, all the death, all the, all the things, all the evil atrocities of the earth, all the sin, all the little bitty lies, all the just a moment of failure and fault and fall into sin, all the iniquities, all the darkness, all the evil, all the sin of the world was placed on that man. And because God is holy and because God is righteous, he could not look and be a part of the sin. And so his own father had to turn his back on his son. Listen, you talk about loneliness, you've never faced loneliness like that man right there. Because you'll never, you'll never know what it's like to not have God because God is good, God is for you, and God is with you. Jesus Christ himself, the loneliest time in history was this moment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what true love is. This is what true loneliness is all about. So don't, you, you know, you can be upset when the boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up here, when the spouse walks out, but let me tell you something. You'll never be as lonely as that man right there because everything, all the weight of the world, every sin, every atrocity was placed on his back and God had to turn away from him. Why? 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 Because what? Sin had to be canceled. Sin had to be forgiven. And everything laid upon the back of Jesus Christ himself. Bow your heads with me today. Father, help us today to understand that, God, you are greater than all these things. And, God, we, we ask why all the time. We ask why all the time. God, help us to as we get ready to leave here today, help us to be reminded that you are good and you are for us and you are with us no matter what we face. You're always forever there. God, speak to our hearts in the next few moments of time and let us realize that, God, we ask why, but instead we need to know that you're doing something greater on the other side. We only see half the picture, but God, you have a better picture, a full picture that we must trust you no matter what we face. I grew older and um, in 2004 I was able to go on a mission trip to Honduras and um, in, some, in my prayer time in Honduras I, was, I prayed and was still asking God why um, and I felt like God revealed to me that he allowed that to happen so um, a passion could be birthed inside of me for students, for youth, for young people. We struggled with the why and um, questioned and God showed us throughout the whole process that he was with us and that he 
he was holding our Isaiah when we couldn't. But it was during the time when we knew that he was going to leave us, that he was going to, to go be with our Father in heaven, that we knew God was in this. We, we, we knew it was. But it was, it was difficult to get to that place. We, we really wanted him to be healed. But we, had, we began the process of accepting that God was God and God is good. I would never choose to have my father abuse me. But uh, by God allowing that to happen, um, I'm able, as a survivor, I'm able to tell my students that they too can forgive. They too can survive. They too can be healed um, and live with our true father. Because of that, man, I can experience the love of my true father, my heavenly father, a love that is pure and unconditional. After trying for a year and a half after losing Isaiah, um, we found out this past Christmas that um, I'm pregnant. And um, I have a peace about this pregnancy. And that's something that I feel that God has shown me and um, put on my heart. And he's been faithful and he's good. so bad to go to work with his father and his father worked at uh, the town drawbridge the drawbridge was uh, a safe way for uh, buggies and that to cut cross over but for ships also to pass under and uh, the father one day the son talked his dad and let him come to work he said that's great come on we'll have a great day and they're they're enjoying life and he had done about 30 cycles of the drawbridge up and down safely and nothing nothing happened and the train would come across at certain times and the passengers would be safe and it worked out perfectly. As the day went on and the father got distracted in his work, the drawbridge was up and a train was getting ready to come through. The father started looking around for the son and couldn't find the son. He started screaming, son, where are you? Hey, son, son, I need, I need you to come to me. I've got to, I've got to flip the lever for the drawbridge to go down. I want to make sure you're safe. He hears way off in the distance, dad, Hey, Dad, I, I'm stuck. I can't get out. He's like, son, where are you? 
And he happens to look down and just off to his right, he saw movement inside where the gears were at. And the father knew he only had a moment to make a decision about what he was going to do. Either let the train crash and hundreds of lives be taken, or he would have to sacrifice one. And as the father said, son, son, I love you. The son said, dad, come get me. And he said, son, I can't. I have to make a decision. And he closed his eyes and the father threw the lever. And as the bridge went down, he heard his son scream. The bridge successfully completed its closure. Soon the screams disappeared and the father collapsed, crying, weeping because he knew he had just lost his son. The father with tears rolling down his face, knowing that he made the ultimate sacrifice. He opened his eyes to watch the train go by and the people were oblivious to what just had happened. Men were sitting back, reclining, watching, reading their newspapers. The women were laughing and telling jokes and playing cards. Kids were running around on the train. Nothing ever affected their life, but yet the father lost everything he held dear. This is what God did for us. He knew the only way we could find salvation and hope was to turn his back on the Father or on the Son and say, I have to give my one and only so that hundreds can come to know who I am. Today, no matter what you face, no matter how hard life gets, no matter what the struggle is, I'm here to tell you, you are not alone because you know why? Jesus took your loneliness for you. Jesus took the suffering for you. Jesus took all the pain, all the agony, all the tragedy. He took it upon himself and he suffered and bled and died for you. And you're never alone because God is for you. God is with you and God is good. And today you can stand here and even though you may be hit and you may be knocked out and you may have your breath taken away from you and even though you may feel hurt and you may feel the pain, you're not alone because God is always right there with you. Would you bow your heads with me today, Father? Oh, God, we, we need you, God. We struggle so much with feeling alone. We struggle so much with feeling like we don't understand what you're doing. But God, just as we've heard from the story today, you see the big picture. Help us to realize that we only see a glimpse. You see the full picture, and we're going to trust you, God. You're here today. Just listen to me. You're here today. You're going through something right now, and you really know that you've got to trust God. You've got to trust God. I don't know what it is, but there's something you're facing, and you're saying, I've got to hold on to God. i got to remind myself he's good. i got to remind myself he is for me. i got to remind myself he is with me. You're here this morning going through a dark time, going through a hard time, going through a, 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 a scary time, let me say, a fearful time. Right here, right where you're at, you're here. And you say, you know what? I just need to trust God more. With your head bowed and eyes closed, just say, God, help me. Teach me how to trust you more every day. Teach me how to trust that you love me and you care for me. Teach me to know you are good. Teach me to know you're for me and you're with me. No matter how hard life gets, you are for me. And if you're for me, God, say this. If you're for me, then no one or nothing can stand against me because I am not alone. Can we say that out loud? I am not alone. Say it again. I am not alone. For God is what? God is good. God is for me. And God is with me. 
we are not alone. Let's sing the rest of this and let's lift our hearts to him today. And in the midst of deep sorrow, I see your light is breaking through. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.